Welcome to the Meant for Good podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Holbrook, and I believe that each of us have been given gifts, dreams, skills, and ideas that we're meant to share with each other. My goal is to share stories that challenge and inspire you and I to connect with people around us because we are meant for good. Welcome back to the Meant for Good podcast. I'm Hannah and this is another episode of Friends and Fables. Got two of Aesop's fables for you that deal with self-conceit and comparison. We've all heard the saying, pride comes before the fall. And when we misperceive reality and assess ourselves in a way that is inaccurate, either that we're greater than or less than who we actually are in reality, we create a delusion. And it's pride on both sides of that. Whether we aggrandize ourselves or whether we operate out of self-deprecation, in one case we're saying, I'm greater than this other person. In the other, we're saying, I'm less than. I'm not good enough. And in both situations, as you'll see in these fables, the result is destruction. The frog and the ox. Oh, father, said a little frog to the big one sitting by the side of a pool. I've seen such a terrible monster. It was as big as a mountain with horns on its head and a long tail, and it had hoofs divided in two. Tush, child, tush, said the old frog. That was only Farmer White's ox. It isn't so big either. He may be a little bit taller than I, but I could easily make myself quite as broad. Just you see. So he blew himself out and blew himself out and blew himself out. Was he as big as that? he asked. Oh, much bigger than that, said the young frog. Again, the old one blew himself out and asked the young one if the ox was as big as that. Bigger, father, bigger, was the reply. So the frog took a deep breath and blew and blew and blew and swelled and swelled and swelled. And then he said, I'm sure the ox is not as big as this. But at that moment, he burst. Self-conceit may lead to self-destruction. So, clearly, in this case, the frog thinks he's bigger than he is. He thinks he's greater than he is. And that really is a perfect example of how pride goes before the fall. I want to dig into that a little bit more, but before I do, I'd like to read the next fable from Aesop. The Heart and the Hunter The heart was once drinking from a pool and admiring the noble figure he made there. Ah, he said, where can you see such noble horns as these, with such antlers? I wish I had legs more worthy to bear such a noble crown. It is a pity they are so slim and slight. At that moment, a hunter approached and sent an arrow whistling after him. Away bounded the heart and soon, by the aid of his nimble legs, was nearly out of sight of the hunter. But not noticing where he was going, he passed under some trees with branches growing low down in which his antlers were caught, so that the hunter had time to come up. Alas, alas, cried the heart, we often despise what is most useful to us. In both of these stories, I see comparison, and I see it built on insecurity. In the first one, the frog wants to make himself bigger than he is. He's aggrandizing himself. He's literally inflating himself, trying to make himself more important, trying to make himself stronger, 
trying to distort reality so that he appears in an altered state and in an attempt to elevate himself into a position that doesn't even matter in reality. If you think about an ox's relationship to a frog, oxes aren't carnivorous, so they're not going to be eating the frog, so it's not a matter of self-defense. If there was any danger there, maybe the ox could step on him, in which case puffing himself up isn't going to protect him. Being nimble would protect him. Operating as he's actually designed as a frog and getting into the water and swimming away quickly or hopping away, that would protect him. But trying to be something that he's not is not going to help him in this situation. And he's actually fighting a battle that's not real. Now, in the case of the heart and the hunter, the heart doesn't see the value of what he's been given either. They're both based in insecurity and not acknowledging or valuing who they are and the traits that they've been given. The heart has these nimble legs that ultimately would have saved his life, but he was so busy thinking about how he wished that they were different that he wasted valuable time that he could have invested in an awareness of his surroundings. If he'd really invested in what he had been given, which was a strength, he could have used that to his advantage and, like I said, mapped out the area, had a plan to escape to safety. He could have known where the branches would be hanging low and where his antlers would get stuck in them. He could have known where he could go quickly and not be hindered in any way by the forest. So instead of investing in himself and developing what he had been given and living in a way that enhanced his strengths, he chose to turn his strengths into a weakness and he chose self-deprecation. On either side of the spectrum, I see pride there. It's a devaluing of what one has been given. And it's like saying to God, what you gave me is not enough. I deserve more than this. Or I am so broken and my existence is so meaningless. Why did you even bother creating me? That's kind of how I see that playing out. If you continue down the self-deprecation path, it leads to a lot of meaninglessness and the questioning of God. And the other side of that leads to seeing oneself too highly and not seeing that God's given each one of us exactly what we need. And if we develop it properly and value it properly and esteem ourselves properly as his creation amidst his creation, not higher or lower, though if we're going to go lower, there's some precedent for that in scripture. And that has to do with seeking God's will. If we're seeking God's will for someone else, then we're going to make that top priority instead of seeking what we want above what is best for others around us. And if we're going to love others and put them first, then we're going to do that in a way that is pleasing to God and that is not dishonoring towards ourselves either. It's not a devaluing of ourselves when we do that. So I think there are two ways that we often view ourselves either as being more important or less important than we are. And the way we usually measure our worth is by what others around us think of us or how we think we measure up to the people around us. 
And this is so prevalent in society. It's really easy to do it without thinking. Like a reflex, you know, especially when we're feeling insecure. And I found a scripture that I think can really help us with understanding this and addressing it. It's in Romans. And to set this up, I'll read 1136, but I really want to focus on Romans 12, 1 through 2. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So reality is about God. It comes from him. It's all for him. And it's by him that we live and move and have our being. So if we can contextualize ourselves and reality in that way, we don't determine our position in reality. It's impossible for us to do that. God created reality and he created us within reality, within his reality. And he determined our position and our value when he did that. So there's nothing that we can do that will change that. And there's nothing that anyone else can do that will change that. This is something that's very hard to grasp because the world around us doesn't operate in the truth of this. It operates a different way. I want to read Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So you can see none of that is about us or our standing or whether we're good enough or not good enough. It's not about our determination of our value. It's about God. It's about what's pleasing to him. It's about operating in a way that is pleasing to him and living out of gratitude. Talked about that before in this series, living with the awareness that Jesus has sacrificed everything for us, that he's saved us from hell, and that he is Lord over all things, and that he deserves to be the Lord of our lives. He deserves to be honored and loved and obeyed. He deserves to have that place in our heart where we treasure him and what matters to him and where we can form our thoughts and our actions into alignment with what is pleasing to him. I wanted to share something from my friend Shane Roberts from his series, The Frontisterium. And this is from an essay about non-achievers. And this section here is about self-discouragers. I'll leave a link to this in the show notes. If you want to read the whole thing, it's powerful and it's very true and it can be very helpful to understand these things about, you know, whether it's your own nature or someone close to you, to understand what it is that we use to hold ourselves back, understand the fear that can drive us and keep us from assessing ourselves and reality properly. Self-discouragers. They hunger and dream for things that are often big, but they will not follow through. They look on at others that achieve, and they often resent them and victimize themselves in the wake of the achievements of those that go after and succeed at reaching their goals. 
little later on in the essay, it says, they will not try at what they love because they hold a deep self-loathing and self-doubt and crippling inferiority, which this group chose rather than work hard. Why do they choose in this way, you might wonder? Well, the why is the map to the gold in the mine. If they never give 100% to anything, they will forever have the excuse that they never tried hard enough. You might ask, why do they think this is preferable? The reason in their minds is that if they never give their all, they can never say they truly failed. Yes, I know this can be surprising, but it is true. We know that never to try is to fail, but they see it differently. They believe that if they never completely go after their goals, they can never have actual verification of being the failures they fear and secretly see themselves as being. Later in the essay, he writes about how the non-achiever creates a facade, and that's exactly what this is when we puff ourselves up to try to see ourselves as something other than we are, or we devalue ourselves and again see ourselves as something other than we are. Either swing of the pendulum there is inaccurate, and it's false, and it's a false presentation. It's a facade. And in the essay, Shane writes about how the non-achievers spend so much time focusing on the facade and trying to perfect it that they could have spent that time doing the thing that they love. In the case of these fables, they could have spent that time developing the gifts they were given, developing in the strengths that they were given, and that would be life-giving for them. Think about the lesson that the frog is teaching his child, his frogling, when he's puffing himself up. He's not teaching him humility. You know, he's not teaching him how to survive in the world. He's showing him the path of destruction. So it's really important to evaluate properly, to see reality clearly, to see ourselves clearly. And scripture can help us do that. Logic can help us to reason in that way. And these essays from the Frontisterium are a great resource. And I think these fables from Aesop are as well. So I love digging into these kinds of things and thinking about them because it's stuff I'm working through and it's convicting for me and helpful for me to kind of connect these dots and look at it in these ways. So I hope it's helpful for you as you're listening, that it gives you something new to consider. And if you think of anyone who might want to hear this or who this might help, please share it with them. Thank you so much for listening. And please feel free to rate this podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. You can share it, leave a comment, or continue the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Substack. Just look us up at Mint for Good Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Linda Bilson. She provided financial support and overall encouragement for the engineering and production of today's interview. If you would like to contribute towards future episodes, you can email me, mintforgoodpodcast at gmail.com.